0: To teaching those who learn with Ann Beekler. I'm Ann Beekler, and today's podcast is going to do with our second section on the United States. Last week we learned about the geographical regions. Now we're going to have a brief lesson, very brief, on the history of the United States. What we are going to be talking about today (laughs) barely scratches the surface of the depth and the breadth of the important and um, epic history of our country. I guess epic is the best word, even though there's probably several other adjectives I can add on there. Um, But I hope you enjoy it. This is Anne Beekler, and I am teaching those who learn. The objective of today's lesson is American Indian groups. We're going to learn about them, we're going to learn about European settlers in different regions, and we're going to trace the cause and effects of the formation of the United States. The key terms that you guys will be hearing today are dissenters. Those are people who would um, complain about the way things are um, in an organized manner. Plantations are large farms in the south. Cash crops Cash crops are crops that are um, grown to be sold. They are not grown to be used by the people who are growing them. The purpose of them is to sell them for a profit. George Washington, you guys all know that he is the eighth president. Um, Check my facts. Manifest Destiny, the Great Depression, Civil Rights Movement, Martin Luther King Jr., Thomas Jefferson. Those are um, key terms that we'll be talking about. And we'll also be talking about things like industrialization, abundance of supplies and resources, and then we'll be talking about principles, which are rules or standards that were created in our country. Okay boys and girls, hearkening back to our lessons before spring break and before Go Week, we know that American Indian societies lived throughout North and South America for thousands of years before Europeans arrived. In the 1400s, the European explorers came to the Americas looking for a faster way to reach valuable goods in the East. American Indians' lives changed dramatically, as you can imagine, when large numbers of Europeans, with their European diseases and their European ways, came to their land. American Indian societies varied depending on the natural resources that were available to them wherever the location was that they settled. American Indians in the Eastern Woodlands grew crops and they fished local waterways and the Atlantic Ocean. They hunted. They used logs and bark to build their houses and canoes. The Plains Indians lived in semi-permanent villages, which meant that they moved around. They followed their food, um, which was... Um, through hunting. They grew crops, they hunted bison which we also call buffalo, and those animals thrived in the grasslands of the Midwest. Those who lived further west were nomadic and when Spanish explorers brought horses to North America, these native groups used horses to follow the herds of bison. Nomadic means that they moved from place to place without having a specific settlement. I used to tell my students that nomad was a good day for Mrs. Beekler. However, nomad is a person who goes from place to place and doesn't settle in one specific spot. The harsh, dry lands in present-day Nevada couldn't support agriculture, so American Indians there lived in small, scattered groups. Southwest American Indians grew corn and lived in large villages or towns built out of stone or adobe. Along the West Coast, American Indians depended on the resources of the Pacific Ocean and the coastal forests, kind of like the Native Americans who lived in the Northeast. In the Pacific Northwest, there was a vast supply of trees to provide lumber for the American Indians, and they were able to build villages and towns with those large wooden buildings, so they were not nomadic, they definitely settled in one area. The first European settlements happened in the 1500s when European countries began competing to establish colonies in North America. English kings had hoped that North American colonies would provide wealth. Religious dissenters, or people whose beliefs differed from the official religion in their country, also settled in these colonies. They left European countries where they couldn't feel free to worship in the way that they worshipped, so they left and um, settled their own colonies. The first English settlements in North America, well, the very first one was called Jamestown, and that was in Virginia. It was established in 1607. The Massachusetts Plymouth Colony followed in 1620, and by 1733, the original 13 colonies that later became the United States had already been settled. And now, a word from our sponsor, America. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Islands, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. So please don't forget to go outside. You need your exercise, and God gave you this giant world as a playground. Please remember your social distancing, but go outside, soak up some fresh, fresh sunshine, put on your SPF, get some fresh air, and get some exercise. Because this land was made for you and me. So based on that first section that we talked about, which was all about the early history of the United States and the Native Americans and the early European colonists coming in, I'd like you to think about what you listened to and think about using evidence from what I've told you about to support the statement that American Indian societies varied depending on the natural resources available to them. Remember what we talked about when it came to the five regions of the United States and what resources were available there? How did the lifestyles of the Native Americans vary based on what natural resources were available to them? We're going to move on now to our second section, and the second section is all about the uh, colonization of the European colonies, specifically the British colonies in the now United States. For about 150 years after the first English colony was settled, the British colonies grew steadily. They were ruled by England, but over time they developed their own local, political, cultural, and economic systems. In 1707, England and Scotland joined to become Great Britain. The colonies developed based on the natural resources available to different regions. In New England, rocky soil and a cold climate limited their agriculture, but forests and the coastline supported shipbuilding, fishing, and trade. The middle colonies had rich soil and a longer growing season and a large river system for transportation. They grew food crops and were also the center of trade. The southern colonies had a warmer climate to support agriculture on a very, very large scale and they had these giant farms that were called plantations. Plantations grew cash crops or crops that were mainly for sale and they shipped these items to other colonies or other countries. Plantation owners needed workers to grow cash crops and over time they became um, reliant on enslaved Africans to do this work. And as you know, um, that caused a lot of dissent in the United States as our country grew. Governments in the colonies. Each colony had its own legislature and governor. The governor was expected to keep control with the British Parliament, but the distance between the colonies and Britain made that difficult for Britain to control. Located across the Atlantic Ocean, the colonies learned to govern themselves. So from 1754 to 1763, Britain fought and won a war against France, gained new territories for North America, and then to rule the territories and pay for the war expenses, Britain had to tax the American colonies. The British also established new rules in North America to kind of flex and govern their larger territories. The British government sent troops to the colonies to enforce these new rules and of course the colonists got upset about this. The British actions obviously angered the colonists and they felt that the British government was no longer ruling with them but was trying to control them and that it didn't respect the traditional limits on government actions. So, of course, you know what happened next, the American Revolution. In 1774, each colony sent a delegate or a representative to a colonial meeting called the Continental Congress in Philadelphia. The Congress met to discuss the objections to British laws. Many of the colonists had already begun to resist British rule, and in 1775, British troops and American colonists clashed in Massachusetts. In 1776, the 13 colonies issued something called the Declaration of Independence. They raised an army and fought the Revolutionary War with Great Britain. France joined in the fight and helped the United States win its independence in 1783 both individual and group influences um, excuse me both individuals and groups influenced the course of the american revolution one individual was thomas jefferson he drafted the declaration of independence for example another was general george washington who led the continental army and fought the british the sons of liberty is a group of men Um, who urged colonists to resist the British rule, and other groups known as committees of correspondence helped organize the Continental Congress and bring the colonies together. After winning its independence, the United States had to set up a government. In 1787, delegates from each state gathered to write the Constitution, which was a plan for government. Um, We still use it today to guide the United States. And the government formed under a constitution, is called a republic, or a government in which citizens elect representatives and leaders to make and enforce laws. Because the United States government is guided by a constitution, it is considered a constitutional republic. Remember when we talked about the types of government, we said that it is um, based on the idea of democracy, but it is a democratic republic. The Constitution provided for a strong central government, but also gave powers to state governments. It established something called limited government, and the first ten amendments of the Constitution, or additions to the Constitution, established that the federal government had to respect the basic rights of people, such as the rights of freedom of speech. And these amendments are known as the Bill of Rights. Before we move on to the next section, I would like you guys to think about what you've just heard in the previous section about the establishment of the United States. How do you think the geography of um, the world and the technology and ability for transportation at that time might have contributed to Great Britain's failure to hold on to its American colonies? Do you think that Scotland and England coming together to create the country um, or region called Great Britain had anything to do with that? Um, What do you think happened that made Scotland become part of Great Britain instead of an independent nation? After the American Revolution was fought and won, the 13 colonies that became the United States that had been founded along the Atlantic coast decided that they needed to stretch and grow. By the mid-1800s, the United States stretched all the way to the Pacific Ocean. After defeating the British, the United States stretched beyond its original colonies to the Mississippi River. Then over the next 50 years, Americans carved out new states out of the territories that were west of the Mississippi. This often led to conflict with American Indians. While the nation continued to expand geographically, its economy also expanded and it changed the culture of the country. Americans headed west to find land and wealth. In 1803, the United States bought the Louisiana territory from France, doubling our country's size. This vast area stretched from Mississippi to now what includes Montana and Wyoming. Manifest destiny, which I mentioned as one of the key terms that we would talk about today, was the idea that the country and the people in the country should expand across the continent and this idea swept the nation. People were all about it. By the 1840s thousands of people were moving to places like Oregon where they found rich farmland. In 1846 Britain gave up its claim on present-day Oregon and Washington State. As Americans moved westward, they encountered many American Indians, and they already lived on that land, so the government signed treaties with these American Indians, but the treaties were later broken. The government forced American Indians to live on plots of land called reservations. Geographic factors influence the society's ability to control its territory. To control territory, our country had to protect the people that lived here and had to be able to govern them effectively. Geography affects their ability to do this. Geographic factors like location, physical features, transportation corridors, barriers and distribution of natural resources can help or hurt a country in its aim to control territories. Settlers and soldiers have been able to get and to move with have to be able to get and be able to move around a territory. Those all those things have to do with their pillars of civilization that we learned about this year. Natural barriers can keep out other competing countries but still allow settlers from a country to control and to reach a territory. Natural resources must be present to make the territory worth controlling. The geography of the American West helped the United States control its territory there. The Louisiana territory was located right across from the Mississippi River and it allowed American settlers to access the territory easily. One of the physical features was the Mississippi River and other rivers that fed into it. These rivers served as transportation corridors and allowed American explorers, traders, and settlers and soldiers to move easily through the territory. At the same time, barriers also stood in the way of the American's control of some of its western territories. For example, the high Sierra Nevada Mountains made it more difficult for the settlers to reach the Pacific Coast. However, Americans overcame these barriers using mountain passes and eventually building railroads through the mountains. That's an example of the theme of adaptation and movement. The natural barriers of the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean made it harder for distant France, Spain, and Britain to control the territories that they claimed in what is now the United States, And the Americans, who obviously were already on the continent, didn't face those kinds of obstacles. The distribution of natural resources across the West helped to attract American settlers to the region and helped the United States establish its control over the West. Valuable furs and land for farming were two of these very important natural resources. expansion of a country oftentimes will lead to conflict. In the early 1800s Mexico was ruled by Spain. At that time Mexico included the area of Texas that we live in and much of what we know as the southwestern United States. In 1821 Mexico gained its independence. Many American settlers moved into the Mexican-controlled Texas and in 1835 they rebelled against Mexico led by famous Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin, for where we get the name of Austin is not from our friend in sixth grade, it is actually Stephen F. Austin that Austin is named after, and Houston is named after Sam Houston. Both of these men helped to establish independence of the Republic of Texas in 1836, and in 1845, the United States annexed or took control of Texas. The annexation strained relations between the United States and Mexico and soon a war erupted. After the United States won, Mexico gave up almost all the land that it held in what is now the United States and we purchased the remainder from them in 1853 then the Civil War. As territories became states, conflicts between the people in the North and the South grew worse. The South's plantation-based economy relied heavily on enslaved labor. Southerners wanted the new states to allow slavery while Northerners opposed slavery in those states. In 1861, Several southern states declared independence, which sparked a civil war. One of the world's bloodiest wars was the Civil War, which lasted until 1865. When the war ended with the Northern victory, the nation started to rebuild. Slavery was abolished, or done away with. The next revolution that we had in the United States is called the Industrial Revolution, and this did not involve fighting, it involved growing. Starting in the early 1800s, new types of machines were developed during this Industrial Revolution. They made farming easier, and that meant fewer people were needed to work on the land. Factories turned out goods rapidly and cheaply, and man-made waterways called canals. Um, Also, steamboats and railroads helped move goods faster than ever before. As a result, the American economy expanded and people moved in large numbers from farms into growing cities where much of the manufacturing was located. Those cities are urban areas. We also call them metropolitan areas. getting tired you guys must be getting tired too this is our last section and it's about how the United States becomes a world power immigration had a huge role in the growth of the United States in the early 1900s a large number of Italian Polish Hungarian immigrants as well as Jewish people from Europe came to the United States prior to that the majority of the immigrants um, to the United States came from Ireland and Germany These immigrants came to America for many different reasons, but finding new opportunities was a common theme. Then, in the late 1800s, the United States became more involved in world events. Its leaders tried to gain resources and expand the United States economy and influence throughout the world in order to protect American interests. In 1867, the United States bought Alaska from Russia, and in 1898, the government annexed Hawaii. With this expansion, the United States now controlled the land that would eventually become all 50 states. In 1898, the United States fought and won a war with Spain. This war established Cuba's independence from Spain, and it brought Guam, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines under American influence. After World War II, the Philippines became independent, but Puerto Rico and Guam remained part of the United States. In 1917, the United States joined in World War I and fought alongside Great Britain and France. Beginning in 1929, the United States experienced the Great Depression. The Great Depression was a time when the American economy suffered, banks closed, people lost their jobs and homes. At the same time, a severe drought caused dust storms to sweep across the Great Plains, including Oklahoma and Texas. These storms caused a period of hardship known as the Dust Bowl. Many American farmers abandoned their farms, which made the economy uh, even more problematic in the nation. In response to these problems, Franklin Roosevelt, our president, created a new deal. It aimed to create jobs, to alleviate unemployment, to provide aid for farmers, and it proposed new rules for banks and businesses. Roosevelt's policies greatly expanded the role of the federal government in the economy. Even though the economy remained a mixed economy, there was a much greater command control. In 1939, World War II began in Europe and in the Pacific. The United States tried to stay out of it. after. Being involved in World War I, but then in 1941, the Japanese attacked the American naval base in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. The United States entered the war. The United States and the Allies won the war in 1945, and many industries expanded to make goods needed for warfare. Though life had been difficult during the war, World War II helped expand the American economy. After World War II, the United States was a world superpower or a nation with a dominant military, economic, political, and cultural influence on the world. Our economy expanded and our middle class grew. People wanted to buy more goods and they wanted to pay for more services. So the economy grew to provide them, which was bringing us back to a more market economy, um, still mixed, but with a heavier market influence. Not all Americans benefited, however. African-Americans struggled for equality. In 1960, a movement for equality called the Civil Rights Movement began. One leader in the movement was Martin Luther King Jr., and he led protests that encouraged nonviolence. These protests challenged racial discrimination. There were some protesters who actually lost their lives in the process. Congress finally passed new laws in the 1960s that gave African Americans equal rights. The civil rights movement also helped expand rights and increase opportunities for other groups, including including women, American Indians, Hispanic Americans, and immigrants. This is where we will end our lesson for today. I am Anne Beekler. I am teaching those who learn, and I can't wait to see you in class.